Peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys know me well enough to know that every once in a while I like to do a sermon that's more like a Bible study than a typical sermon, especially when we have a text like today. So actually in the lectionary, our text was only part of Luke 14, and I chose to do the whole thing because there's some really awesome stuff when we're able to look at the whole passage and what Jesus is doing through all of it. So in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus actually speaks three separate parables. And we could do three different sermons, one on each parable, but instead I want to walk through and see what connects them. What is the one common thread that runs through all three of Jesus' teaching here today? And I have to admit, I never saw this before. I had never made this connection through all three until I read this book. So this book, Scandalous Stories, a sort of commentary on parables, is written by Daniel Emery Price and Eric Sorensen. These are the guys that do the podcast that I listen to the most, so I'm pretty familiar with them. I listen to them quite frequently, and, and they're really good. And so when they said, we wrote this book, I went and bought it, and I read it, and I learned a lot. See, even pastors have to read and learn all the time. I learned something, and so what I learned, I want to share with you today. And so we're going to walk through these three parables and see what connects them. And the one common thread that runs through all three of them is pride. Now, pride can be hard to talk about because a little bit of pride is an okay thing. Bible talks about, you know, we should be proud as Christians, we should, there's, there's a good sense of pride, but more often than not, too much pride becomes a bad thing. And this is what we struggle with. We struggle with letting pride take over. We struggle with letting pride cause us to sin. And if we really look at each of our lives, I think every one of us would have to confess we struggle with pride. So fun fact, if you Google definition of pride, which is what I do like with all my words because I have to look up everything to know what they mean. You Google it, and I love Google because you don't even have to click on a link like to an online dictionary. It just pops it up. Here's the definition. Sweet. I'm lazy. I like it. Okay, so I Google definition of pride. There it is. But even cooler than that, it also gives you other suggestions that you might be interested in. And one of these suggestions was, what is pride in the Bible? So I clicked on that, and this is what I got to read. In the Bible, pride does not mean simple arrogance. Instead, it means hubris, preferring your self-will to God's will. So pride as a sin is us choosing our will rather than God's will. And so it went on to say the polar opposite in the Bible is just called following God. So pride as a sin causes us to choose our will, our, our desires, our wants, what we say is right and wrong, what we want to do, rather than God and his will, what he wants for our lives, what he says is right and wrong. And so when you use that definition of pride, now can we all agree that we have all struggled with pride? We've all chosen our way rather than God's way. But the Bible argues against pride by saying, just simply follow God. Do what he wants you to do. Live the way he wants you to live. Follow him. Be a disciple. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is this pride of us wanting to do it our way versus God wanting us to do it his way. So before we dive in the text, we have to set the scene a little bit. 
Jesus has been invited into the house, not just of a Pharisee, the ruler of the Pharisees. This is like the top dog. And he is hosting this big fancy banquet for all the Pharisees, and they invite Jesus to try to trap him, try and get him to say something they can use against him. In fact, if we were to go back and read the first couple verses, it would say they're watching him carefully. They're waiting for him to make a mistake. But Jesus comes, and he's dining with them, and he notices something about them because he's watching them pretty carefully too. Listen to verse 7 and following. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what did Jesus notice about these Pharisees? He sees that they're all fighting for the seat of honor. Every single one of these self-conceited Pharisees think they're the most important person in the room. Now this might be a little difficult for us to understand because I don't know about you, but I don't go to a lot of fancy banquets where there's a seat of honor. But what maybe we can easily relate to is a wedding. And in fact, this is the same move Jesus makes. His parable is about a wedding feast. So we've all been to enough weddings to know what it's, you know, how it works. And this isn't one of those weddings where you show up and you get the card with your name and you're seated at table 10. This is one of those weddings where you walk in and you have your choice of the room. You can sit anywhere you want. And so you walk in and you see all these beautiful tables and chairs and decorations you know, and on the floor, there's probably all round tables with chairs all the way around them. And then up front, there's that one rectangle table with chairs just on the back side. We all know that's the head table, right? That's reserved for the wedding party. Well, let me ask you this. Have any of you ever walked into a wedding and thought in your head, I'm the most important person here? I'm going to walk right up to that head table, go up the stairs, back behind, right to the center, which should probably be the bride's chair, pull it out and sit down and say, look at me. Anybody here ever done that? Of course not. No one would ever do that. But these Pharisees did. That's how bold they are. That's how far out of line they are. They walk right to that seat as if they deserve it. I didn't even sit at the head table at my own wedding. We didn't have a head table. Instead, what we did is we put three tables on the stage for our family. And my family, and all his family being good, humble people, they sat out in the crowd, and we had to go around and tell them, no, that's actually family seating up there, can you please move up? And you'd have thought we were asking them to go sing a solo up there in front of the whole wedding reception. They did not want to go up there and sit where everybody could see them, right? Most of us don't want to be in the spotlight, but these Pharisees do. They want to sit up there and say, look at me. In fact, I thought of something the other day that this became a little more real life. So that's a wedding example, you know, the parable. But here's how it played out for me in real life that I, I made the connection to this. Dolly and I went to Menards. We had some stuff to return. And we're standing there. There's two cashiers, and they both have a customer. So we're waiting, just holding our stuff, talking. And we kind of stood in the middle to wait and see which one finished first, you know. 
And we'd been there quite a while, and then this other gentleman came up, and he had stuff in his hand ready to return. And when this cashier got done with her customer, before we could even move, he darted right there. And we thought, well, we're not in a hurry. We'll just wait. He can go. And the clerk actually said, excuse me, sir, they were here first. You need to get back in line. And I was like, whew, okay. So we walk up, and I was like, that really wasn't necessary. Thank you for doing that, but we're in no hurry. And she said, yes, it was. And so here's a real-life example of someone who thought he was more important. He's just going to go, and instead, he was humble. She had to tell him to get back in line. Now, he's, I think he felt a little shame, a little embarrassment. And we, being the humble, patient people we are, got to look like the, you know, humble ones and be invited to come up and do it. But this is what Jesus is trying to teach us. Humble yourself so you can be exalted. When you go to a wedding, don't go sit in the bride's chair because the father of bride's going to come up and say, buddy, what are you doing? Get out of there. And now you're embarrassed in front of everybody. Instead, go sit at the lowest seat. Go back to that table right by the men's room, the one nobody wants to sit by. Sit back there. So when the host sees you, he says, no, 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 you're family. Come sit at the family table with us. So this is the first parable Jesus teaches, trying to humble these, these prideful Pharisees, who not are just so prideful they say, I'm most important. They think they're so important, they're trying to sit up front and say, look at me. Look at how important, look at how much more important I am than you. And so he just speaks this parable to humble them. And then he continues to do the same thing, not only for them as the guest, but he even speaks to the host. And he tells a parable to him. From verse 12 and following, he said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, most people take this text a little bit out of context, and I, I admit I've been guilty of misusing this lesson myself. Because when we hear this, sometimes we think like Jesus is saying, anytime we host a party and we invite family and friends, we're sinning. That's wrong. We shouldn't do that. No, no, no. That's, that's not actually what Jesus is saying. When you tie it back into the previous parable and you focus on pride, you see what he's saying is, if the only reason you threw this banquet was because you're so prideful, you want all your guests, your rich neighbors, your friends to say, wow, look at him, look at how impressive he is. That's the only reason you threw the party in the first place. Yeah, that's pride, that's sin. Because what, again, is Jesus trying to teach us? Humble yourselves. And in fact, St. Paul will say in Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing from self-ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more than significant than yourself. So if you're going to have a birthday party for your kid, invite your family and friends, that's fine. But if you're just looking for a reason to throw a party, you have some extra food, extra resources, and you want to host a party, don't do it out of pride so people say, look at me. Do it in a way that counts others more significant than yourself. Do it in a way God would want you to do it. Line up your will, not with your own pride, but with his will. Throw that party and invite those who can't repay you, those who can't feed themselves, those who never feel more important than anyone else. Throw that party to remind them, I do care about you. I do count you more important than myself. Now they will be impressed with you, not because, oh, look how impressive and lavish he is and all these things he has, 
They'll be impressed because you're actually living out your faith. You're doing what God has called you to do. You're making them more important than yourself, even though they have nothing to repay you with. So when you throw that party, don't be like this ruler of the Pharisee, because this is exactly what he did. He only invited the other Pharisees who already thought highly of themselves and want to be the guest honor, but they have to admit he is the host while he's even better than us. So here we see Jesus tell the first parable for these prideful guests. We see Jesus tell the second parable for the prideful host. And now, it's really uncomfortable in this room. Because all these prideful Pharisees and this prideful host have just heard Jesus speak these parables rebuking them, and they don't know what to say. And so one foolish person speaks up and thinks, I'll say something PC that will appease everyone, and then we can move on to talk about other things. So in verse 15 it says, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine this? Jesus is just rebuking you to be humble. And so what do you say? Well, I'll say something about the kingdom of God and show him that we believe this. And he'll be happy with that, right? No, Jesus is not happy about this. And he doesn't miss his opportunity to continue teaching them. And so when this man says this, Jesus now speaks the third parable. Verse 16 and following. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At that time, for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. First said, I bought a field I have to go see. Let me be excused. Another said, I bought oxen. Please let me be excused. Another said, I have been married a wife. I cannot come. So the servants came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has already been done, and still there is room. So the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. So did you catch what Jesus is talking about there? This guy says, Blessed is everyone who is in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, Okay, you want to talk about the kingdom of God? I'll teach you a lesson about the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes calling, inviting people to the great banquet, anyone who's prideful enough to put anything else ahead of the master will not get to be part of that banquet. See, these guests who were invited all had excuses. They were all so prideful, they thought their lives and those things in their lives, a new field, new ox, and even a new wife, which relates to work, possessions, marriage, they thought these parts of their life were more important than the master and his banquet. So what does the master do? He finds new guests. See, if we're so prideful to think that because of who we are and what we have and what we've done, that we will automatically be invited, we're wrong. And we risk losing our invite because God is going to fill his banquet one way or another see in this parable God is the master and the banquet is the marriage feast between his son and his son's bride the church so this is after the final day the great resurrection when all believers will be separated from non-believers and what is that separation 
those who have faith and those who found every other excuse to not have faith, to put other things ahead of God. And so if we are so prideful to put ourselves, our lives, our possession, our work, even our marriage ahead of our faith, we risk losing that invite to paradise, to be with our master. Now that might steer you because everyone in here says, oh, I've done that. I've put other things ahead of God. I've been prideful. That's right. I have too. And that's why God had to send his son to die on the cross because through the forgiveness he won on the cross, he won you back your invite to the banquet. He forgave you for that pride so that now you can put God ahead of everything else and find yourself with the believers. Find yourself being invited. And so what is the lesson? Humble yourself. Humble yourself and admit God is most important. Not me. Nothing about me or what I've done or what's in my life will get me into heaven. It's only because of him and what he's done for me that I will be invited and be called family at his banquet. And so we humble ourselves. We don't let pride get the best of us. We don't let pride tell us we're so important or that other things in our lives are more important than God. We humble ourselves to admit he is most important. He is God. And I want to live not according to my will, but according to his will. Because see, when you humble yourself and say you're most important, now the son who died for you and rose for you and forgives you and invites you to the banquet will exalt you to eternal life in his name. He will bring you up and say, I have a seat just for you, waiting for you, because you humbled yourself. So going forward in those times where you feel pride working on you and you really feel like you're struggling, what do we do? We humble ourselves. We come to the foot of the cross. We confess our sins and we say, Lord, I deserve nothing from you. Please have mercy on me. And we let our Savior look at us and exalt us. Invite us to come sit at his table with him because of what he has done for us. So I said all three of these parables are about pride, which they are, but the lesson for all three is humble yourself. Live according to God's will, not your own. Don't be like these Pharisees. Be like the one who has nothing to repay and comes to the master's banquet. Humble yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard our hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus always. Amen.